Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW, void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus i'm victoria cash thanks for calling the lucky land hotline if you feel like you do the same thing every day press one if you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes press two We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. For three years of my schooling life, I was a goalkeeper. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I played That's got to be new to everyone. <laughs> we used to go out in games. You know, we stand in the, the, the center circle to take kickoff and we'd look at each other and say, should we terrorise them today? <laughs> I often say to people, well, my dream came true because I play for the team that I supported as a boy. So, here we are for another episode of Off The Shelf with me, Michael Dawson, and my co-host, Paul Miles. How are you, mate? Oh, good, thank you, Dawes. How are you? I'm very good in this beautiful new beautiful. set. Look how beautiful it, it is. It's beautiful. Huh? And have we got a beautiful guest? <laughs> we certainly have got uh, a beautiful guest. We have got... Footballing royalty with us today, Dawes. I'll introduce you. Wait Let me just stop you there, Miles. I said beautiful guest. They might think it's David Janola. Or well, David Janola. Yeah, well, huh? I mean, there's a little book behind there, which is <laughs> overlooking him. But Celez, 39 goals in 139 games here at Spurs. And he'll tell you that was a, a bit of an injury riddle time here at Spurs, which I know is a, is a sort of big regret in his career. But he'll tell us about that. Went from non what a career! Went from non-league football to play for England. Spurs obviously on the way. That great time he had at Newcastle, QPR, and he's been. Fr- What's overlooked here is that he spent time here as a development coach with Tim Sherwood and Chris Ramsey, and brought for a whole host of players: Harry Kane, Stephen Corker, Ryan Mason. There's more. There's more. And just and they, now, and they media. all. Played for England. So Les Ferdinand is in the house. Good morning, James. How are you, Les? Nice it's nice great to, to have you. Nice to see you. Let's start. We're going to dispel a myth. We are. Straight away, we're going to dispel a myth. Because if I said to you, what was it like growing up in Acton, what would you say to me, Les? I've got no idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've driven through Acton a few times, but that's about it, really. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, for some reason, the... the, the the history books have got that I grew up in Acton. I was nowhere near Acton. I lived in Labrogrove uh, for most of my life. And in fact, uh, for the majority of my life, I uh, grew up on the Lancaster West Estate, which is where the, the Grenfell Fire was. Um, so that was uh, where I grew up, not Acton. Um, it's not a million miles away from Acton, but no, as I said, I went to school in the Acton area, but uh, I didn't grow up in Acton. You touched on school there. How were you at school? Did you enjoy it? I did, I loved school. Um, and when I look back now uh, at life, and you know, football's been great to me, and I've had some unbelievable times uh, as a footballer uh, and in this industry, but um, my schooling years were, yeah, uh, pretty good. Favourite lessons? Favourite lessons? Um, PE. You ask everyone. Uh, and I weren't too bad at art. I, was, uh, I weren't bad at art at all. I used to enjoy art at uh, wow. school, which, which a lot of people... Any Les Ferdinand paintings out there that we need to see? We um, need to get hold of? They're going to be worth millions in, in, in years to come. Probably on my mum and dad's walls they were, but uh, nowhere else, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about football, OK, so when, when did you get into football, Les? When, when did you know it was going to be your career path, almost? Um, well, I never ever thought it was going to be my career path. That's the, the honest truth. Um, I was playing football for the love of it. Um, I, I missed... 
the apprenticeship stage. I didn't. I was never at a club through the the, you know, the young ages, like the 14s, 15s, whatever it may be. Um, I was signed out in non-league football at the age of 19, uh, and it was only then that I realised that I had, had a chance of making a go at, at the professional level. But up until then, I was playing non-league football just because I loved it, enjoyed it, and. Um, I was actually going to just see how far I could go in non-league, what's the highest level I could get to in non-league football. Um, I'd been at Southall for a number of years, uh, who were in Ishman League Two. Uh, we got to the FA Vars final uh, at Wembley, and then the team disbanded after that, um, after that year, which was a surprise to everyone, but um, the, the club made us some promises that they, they didn't keep. Mm. So the lads went their separate ways, and I was at home thinking, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Uh, and then I got a call from the, the manager of uh, Hayes at the time. They'd just lost their centre forward and, and asked me to come in. I went to Hayes for, for six months and was banging in goals at two divisions higher than where I was before. Uh, and that's when um, QPR took an interest and um, came in and signed me. Do you think that will happen nowadays? I know we've seen it with the Vardy one probably hmm. most recent, but we look at the academies now, it starts so much younger than what it did in your time. And yeah. even my time from six, seven-year-old, now they're at a football club and academy. Do you think that now a 19-year-old can still be plucked out of non-league? I think a 19-year-old will be plucked out of non-league in the lower divisions. I don't see it happening hmm. in the Premier League. And not just because the abilities of that person is not good enough to be in the Premier League, it's because of what the Premier League demands and supporters. You know, if, if, you know, people always said to me, where's the next Jamie Vardy? Where's the next Jamie Vardy? You know, when I was in my role at QPR, where's the next Jamie Vardy? And I said, you guys won't allow the next Jamie, Jamie Vardy, especially not at Premier League level, because if a club says to you, we're going to go and take a 19-year-old out of non-league football, all the, all the supporters were going, where's the club's ambition? Mm. A 19-year-old out of non-league football? We've got to be competing with people that are paying 14, 15, 16, 70 million pounds taking someone out of non-league football. So that's why it won't happen in the Premier League. I'm not saying someone won't go into the lower leagues and then establish themselves and come back into the Premier League at, at, that way. Mm. But I don't see it the way I did it. Are you a voice there, Les? Uh, uh, Les, are you saying, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, I can give you an example here of where that did work, or is it is it just the industry now as it as it is? I think it's the industry as it is. Um, you know, it's not just me. You know, you look at Ian Wright, you look at Stuart Pearce, you look mm -hmm. at. I mean, uh, David Pleat did a um, uh, a list of um, players that had come out of non-league football and gone into playing in, in, in the professional game, and he said he could only get me on the bench. Do you know what I mean? So wow. it, just, it just shows yeah. the, the level yeah. of player that's come out of that uh, non-league football and gone in. I don't see that happening now. Yeah. Always a striker, Les, by the way? No. No? Where were you, when were you a kid, where were you playing? For, for three years of my schooling life, I was a goalkeeper. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I played That's got to be new to everyone. <laughs> I played in I goal for three that. years. Um, and I was in the same class as Dennis Wise at school. And um, on, a, on a Friday, we, we play five-a-side football against each other. We, he played for a club called the Rugby Club. I played for the Harrow Club. And... Um, we used to play against each other, and uh, one one uh, one game at school in the school team, our centre forward got injured. We had a reserve goalkeeper, we didn't have a reserve centre forward, and Dennis and a couple of other boys that played in that team said, "Well, Les can play up front. We see him play up front every Friday, so let's play up." I played up front, scored a hat trick. Schoolmaster said, "You're never playing in goal for this team again." Never look back. That is that mad. That. I bet there's loads of players like that. Mine was oh. not quite like that to that level, but I was a centre forward as well. Believe it or not. Yeah, they all try it. They all try it. You yeah, all try it. It's, it's tough to score a goal, but under 12s, I went back. I think, I think Ledley tried it. I think Sol Campbell tried <laughs> it at centre forward. Yeah, we weren't really cool. cut out to yeah. me. Yeah. 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 We all say it's how they put the ball in the back of the net. Maybe that's where your incredible leap and spring came from. Early doors coming out and trying catching him crosses. Maybe, I don't know, mate. Yeah. I weren't that brave coming off the line, mate. <laughs> yeah. You, took, you touched on there, Les, your time at Sutherland. FA Vars mm -hmm. getting to um, final at Wembley. Was that when QBR started? I know you went to Hayes, you said there. Was that when QBR spotted you and went, um, we're going to try and... I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I had lots of rumours, you know, playing at Southall that teams were watching me and teams were keeping an eye on, but nothing ever came mm -hmm. to, to fruition. Um, as I played in the Vars final and always remember being in the change rooms before the game and the manager saying, look, all of you um, understand one of you in here might get the opportunity to play at Wembley again. Um, and we, you're looking around the change room, looking at all the players and looking at all the ones that you think are good players and you're thinking, he might get here again in the Vars final, he might get here in the trophy final if he goes up a level. No one ever thinking that you'd go back there as a, as a, 
as a professional footballer. And then when I sat, my first game for England was sat in the same changing room. And I was, all I thought about was what, that, what the manager said at wow. that time. And I never ever imagined that was where it was, I was going to end up. Incredible, incredible. When you were at QPR, obviously you had this loan out in Turkey in Besiktas. And uh, I think it's, it's, I mean, you can tell everyone, Les, <laughs> unless you've been to a game involving a Turkish club in Turkey, we played Besiktas in the, in the uh, UEFA Cup. My first experience that was, yeah. and it was yeah. an eye opener. I mean, you can w tell us about football in Turkey, Les. It's I mean, I'd, off I'd, the scale, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I'd always, uh, I'd always seen, you know, f uh, footballers, England's national sport. We would, you know, we were the creators, we were the this, we were the that, and um, you know, we were supported so, you know, so heavily around the, the, the country. You know, every team supported well. And then I went out to Turkey, and um, and I was fortunate. I played for Besiktas, who, you know, were one of the bigger clubs out there at the time. Uh, you had Fenerbahce, Galatasaray and Besiktas uh, all in um, Istanbul. I arrived at the airport and you know that, you know when um, in the past teams would arrive there to play in the UEFA Cup or the Champions League and there was signs saying welcome to hell and all that. You know, when I got out at the airport there was loads of fans there and I'm thinking, who are they, who are they here for? Do you know what I mean? And they followed me all the way back to the back to the, the, the clubhouse and, and so on and so forth. And it was like I was thinking, Shit, I'm only, I've come, no, I'm only playing reserve football at QBR. Yeah. But at the time, they had such a high regard for English football yeah. um, that um, they felt, oh, this this kid's here to do something. So um, I, I mean, like I always say to people, my first training session, I arrived in Istanbul that, on on a, on a Sunday, went to went to the hotel uh, with Gordon Mill, who was the manager at the time. And he said to me, oh, Liz, we've got a little training session later on. And he said, it's a thing that they do every year. They just introduce um, the, the new players. We're going to have a training session on the, on the, at the main ground. So um, we went to the main ground. And as I'm getting closer to the main ground, I could hear this chanting and everything. And I'm thinking, what's going on? I'm looking around. And Istanbul's a busy place anyway. Anyway, you get to the stadium and go, and there's 35,000 people watching the first day's training. Wow. And I thought, what have I come to? Yeah. Like, um, and this is, this is, and to be fair, for for um, the whole year that I was there, it was the making of me as a footballer. Yeah. It was making me as a man, and the making me. As yeah, a footballer. I mean, because I mean, even going away to a different country at yeah. that age, Les. I mean, you were still a young man, relatively, yeah. weren't you? Twenty-one. I was twenty-one when I went over there, and at the time, they weren't. I was the first British player to ever play in Turkey, and at that time, it wasn't kind of like the done thing for for British players to go abroad, especially Turkey. I mean, all I knew about Turkey at the time was the, the film Midnight Express, which is not the greatest advert for, for, <laughs> for, for Turkey. But I have to be honest, the, the people out there were, were absolutely fantastic. You know, uh, made me feel at home, um, and I couldn't have I couldn't have asked for a better experience. But you had major success out there winning winning, winning the Turkish Cup with them. How yeah, was that? that was um, you know uh, Gordon Miller brought me over because he felt they, they they'd finished second in the league the year before, and they felt if they would bring that striker in. Um, that could supply some more goals that they had a chance of winning the league. And we played Fenerbahce, I think, four or five times in that season and beat them every time. They beat us once in the league and ended up winning the, ended up winning the league, uh, beating us by a point to the league. Um, so we didn't quite win the league, but we won the equivalent of the, the FA Cup out there. And um, so that was... Um, I can that imagine that experience when, imagine we, when we went. That winning, was, winning something for a Turkish for, club. For, for Besiktas, that was my, my experience. A lot of the lads, when we went in, in the Europa League, you, you were there. Do you remember when you came out for the warm-up at Besiktas and then they, 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 they wheeled out the, the tunnel, the, 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 uh, the, like the, the tunnel, the cover for the tunnel? You come out of the And you're thinking, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the loudest experiences I've ever, yeah. I've ever experienced there. And we not, played well and we won. But it they was the echoes. They clapped us off. They did. It was yeah. mad. Yeah. Do you know? Um, yeah. at, at one stage they were in the Guinness Book of Records for the most noise made at any one stadium. That didn't wow. surprise because me. they was they was they was so loud and passionate. It was unbelievable. Sometimes you'd you'd be there in a noise, and, and you know they used to go Sia, and the other end used to go Bears. So it's black and white. So one side would say black, the other side would say white, and mate, it was just it was, and then yeah. and then it'd get quicker and quicker and quicker. Just amazing, amazing. Mm. So you come back to the Prem, you come back to QPR and it's the Premier League, mm -hmm. the Premier League era, first season, twenty goals. Les Ferdinand has arrived. How was that? Yeah, it was. I, I came back from Turkey with a renewed confidence. I probably left, as I said, I left as a boy and I came back as a man. And um, I had a, a kind of like renewed confidence that I could score goals wherever I went. You know, um, the year out in Turkey, Gordon Mill had uh, a year to just work with me on my own. And, and it was fantastic, you know, he spent a lot of time with me and um, I, I had 
just football to concentrate on. I went out on my own. Mm. I was living out there on my own, made some friends out there, but um, it was just about football. So I spent a year just homing my my game uh, when people had gone home in the afternoon. I was at the training ground and working on different bits and pieces. I had a successful year. In the end, I scored, uh, I think it was 21 goals in 33 games in all in all. And so I came back and joined in the training and you know, I felt like I belonged now and um, all of a sudden it just it just turned around for me. So after that se- after that season in nineteen ninety five, mm. you were sold to the tune. <laughs> yes. Uh, how was it up there? Amazing experience? Yeah, you know, I'd I'd sort of like um I got to a stage where um I'd come to the time at QPR where I felt it was time to move on. Jerry Francis had left and I'd always said I'd stay at QPR as long as I felt I was learning and improving as a player. And Jerry was brilliant for me. Um, uh, you know, he was the one that really turned my career around at QBR when he came in, put an arm around me, and I didn't realise at the time I was that player. I needed, I needed a manager to put his arm around me and say, "Come on, Liz, I'm going to take you here, and we're going to go there." And and that's what he did. And I remember him sitting there saying, "His first uh, first day uh, comes into training, I sit with him and talking, and he said to me, um, you're going to play for England.'" And I thought, "I ain't even playing for QBR. How am I going to play for England?" And phew, I think within six months. Has been saying that I was I was uh, I was in the squad, the England squad. Uh, so he he turned everything around for me and um, had a couple of really good years at QBR. And then, as you said, the Newcastle situation came around. I met Kevin Keegan, um, and it was really weird because you know I, I was I was a Tottenham supporter growing up as a boy, mm. and um, I remember at the time I think it was Alan Sugar, and I, I really like Alan Sugar. I've got a lot of time for Alan, um, and he was brilliant um, for me when I came here. But when I um, at the time was 28. And he said, he's not paying six million for a 28-year-old. And I said, OK. And then in the last minute, I'd shaken hands with Kevin Keegan to say I was going to, to the tune. And then um, last minute, I got a call from Tottenham saying, look, we, we're interested. And I said, I'm not even going to come and talk to you because I've, I've shaken hands mm-hmm. on a deal. And it, once I shake hands on something, that's it, me, that's me done. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to waste your time. Because yeah. if I come, I'm just going to talk. And I've, I've already made my decision to go. Uh, and so um, I went up to the tune and it was... I want to say it was everything I dreamed about and more. Um, it was probably not everything I dreamed about um, because it went so much better at the beginning um, for me than I ever thought it would. Mm. Um, I was scoring goals in abundance. So I was playing with a team that had a chance of winning something and we, get, we came very, very, very close. In two incredible seasons, though, weren't they? Yeah. You, know, you two, and Shearer. Two seasons. Second, yeah. Season that, yeah. Shearer was the second season. First season, it was uh, myself, Peter Beersley, and then they brought in a Spriller. Um, second half of the season, um, so yeah. But, but uh, you know the, the the brand of football that we played and um, the way we went about things. I mean, as a centre forward, you'd have hated it. Though. Oh, <laughs> would I? You I was know. I was watching you then, Les. I'd love it if we beat it. I'd love it. I remember yeah. Kevin Keegan as a young kid, me watching growing up. Yeah. It was like wow, football was everything. And Philip Albert, I remember the dink that he yeah. scored against Peter Michael. Like watching you yeah, score goals, that, and it, it yeah. was uh, you know it was all out attack. So yeah. for, for defenders, it was a nightmare because we were just we were just hell bent on scoring mm-hmm. goals. If you scored one, we were going to score two. If you scored two, we were going to try and score three. And you know that works for a period of the season. Yeah. And then there's always that period. The teams that win the Premier League win a game one nil. You know the goalkeeper ends up being man of the match because he's made umpteen saves and stuff. We just never had that. It was yeah. just all out. All that chaos. In the space of 10 years, Les, you've gone from non league football, FA Vars, QPR, loan at Besiktas, come back, scored all those goals, two years at Newcastle, look, 10 years later, you're PFA player, player of the year. <laughs> I mean, what a 10 years. I mean, did you, I mean, uh, it's hard to ask you now, but did you ever sort of think, what is going, what is going on in, in this last few years of my life? It's, you know what football's like. It's just no time to breathe, is there? But look what you what you achieved in those ten years was incredible. And you know what? I never I never sat down and um, I never ever sat down and thought about it because, as you said, everything just kept happening, just kept happening. Kept you just kept churn, churning out games. You kept going. Um, you, you never ever sit back and realise it. And then, it, do you know what, Miles? I went to uh, the PFA Awards, the fifty years of the PFA Awards, and travelling back in the, in the cars with Chris Ramsey. Yeah, and he said to me, do you know what you've achieved? And I went, what are you talking about? He opened, he, and they, they had this special 50-year uh, anniversary book. And he went, you're one of only 50 players to ever have won this. And he said, in fact, you're one of 49, because Alan Shearer won it twice. And then he said, that is, that is some, 
some achievement, and you, you don't actually you don't actually think about it. You don't realize never it time to reflect, is it? No, you've uh, and you know my, my my career's been non-stop. I went from playing football to coming back in here and coaching, and then from coaching straight into QPR. So you know this is probably the first time in my life, um, even when I was a kid. Uh, you know, not in, in professional football. It's the first time in my life I've, be, I've been out of work. You touched on there, Alan Shearer. What was your partnership like? Oh, well, I would hate to have played against a pair. I played against Alan and he got... I actually think off. you'd have really, really but, said that. Well, I kicked, tried, kicked, kicked Alan Shearer uh, at St James. He's actually got Alan Shearer's shirt, by the way. New Year's Eve one night, we were all doing Shearer. We were all had too much to drink there the night after we played well. One. But we won't talk about what happened at St James's when I went up there and he was... Just, I was Naive. I got sent off anyway. <laughs> Kicked him in the back there. The, the Achilles second half pulled him down and sent off. But what about the partnership you two had? It would have been a nightmare. I'd have hated playing against him. You know, the disappointing thing um, uh, with that is we, um, we, could have, we could have and should have played a lot more together, especially for England. But at the time, Terry Venables didn't think, we, he felt we were too similar in, in the way that we played. And I always remember when, when Keegan signed him, he said, I'm not doing this to prove anybody wrong. I just believe that you two can, can be an incredible partnership. And so, um, you know, we used to go out in games, you know, we stand on the, the, the centre circle to take kick-off and look at each other and say, should we terrorise them today? <laughs> and inevitably we did, you know what I mean? It was just, it was unbelievable. And, you know, I've been fortunate to play some great, great strikers in my, in my time. And um, I, I saw Bradley Allen earlier on yeah. and, and I spoke to the young players here and, he, and he, he introduced me and said, like, he looks so old and I look so young because he did all my running for me. <laughs> So I said to him, have you seen him run? You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, so, you know, I played with Bradley, who was a, who was a great goal scorer, you know, at my time, you know, uh, Roy Wegley, you know, Mark Falco, uh, Peter Beersley, uh, Teddy Sheringham, you know, to, to name but a few. And, you know, I played with some amazing players, Klinsman here and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, my partnership was at, with Alan was probably, you know, we only we was together for one season. I'd have been terrorised, that's for yeah, sure. Uh, I think you'd have been up. I think you'd have been up. I'd have been, I'd have been writing you up towards. I'd have been saying, he's up, been sent off he's up for this one. <laughs> I'd have been sent off again. <laughs> Hell off, Les. Oh, uh, no, here we go. Les, 1997. Yeah. You come to Spurs. Your boyhood, your boyhood team. I mean, look, take everything out of the equation here. You're coming, you're signing for the team that you supported as a boy. It's yeah. special, isn't it? Right. How, how, did, how did that feel coming home in inverted commas? Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I often say to people, uh, when, they, when I look at people and talk to people about my careers, and I say, I say to people, you know, people talk about being, dreaming about being a, a professional footballer. And, you know, do dreams come true? And I said, well, my dream came true because I played for the team that I supported as a boy. And, you know, to the first day, you know, listen, I'd always played against Spurs. I'd, been, I'd actually done all right against Spurs in terms of scoring goals, but yeah, you know, know, this is where I wanted to come and this is where I wanted to score goals. And that, that part of it was probably the biggest disappointment for me because I, I kind of picked up lots of niggly little injuries while I was here. But if there was one club that I wanted to come yeah. to and continue my goal scoring, feet was here and it just didn't quite, the, the team wasn't quite where it needed to be. And, you know, like I said, I picked up a lot of injuries. And um, so it was a, that part of it was a disappointment. But, you know, pulling on the Tottenham shirt and walking out of White Hart Lane. I always remember speaking to the late Gary Speed one day who played against Tottenham and he, went, he, he said to me, out of all the grounds I play and this is my favourite ground. And I said, oh, it's been mine for donkey's years. And we, was having, we was having a chuckle as we was walking out. And um, it was, there was a lot of players um, back in the day who loved playing at White Hart Lane and I was, I was no different. I just uh, wish I'd scored more goals here. We, I mean, we signed Genoa at the same time, mm -hmm. and I, I, I met that. This was my first season covering Spurs at the local paper, Les. And I'm thinking, you've got Genoa on one side, Foxy the other side, yeah. Big Les up front. I said, this is going to be a dream. <laughs> These crosses are going to be coming in. Les is going to score 20 headers this yeah. season, let alone anything else. But it's worth telling people that first, that was that first season, 97, 98, was we were fighting relegation, was, weren't we? It was a real struggle. You just really. literally couldn't believe it. We couldn't, we couldn't get, we couldn't get going as a team. Um, you know, Jerry left after a couple of months of me signing. Um, Christian Gross came in. There was a lot of, just a lot of upheaval. There was a lot of stuff going on and the club wasn't in a great place. Um, and it was really weird because before that, I'd met one of the players who was here at the time. I'm not going to say his name, but he said to me, if you're thinking about coming to Spurs, it's probably the wrong move for you because where the club is at the moment uh, is not where you, wow. you want to be. But when, when I spoke to Alan Sugar, 
he he realised the club wasn't where they wanted it to be, and they, and he wanted to make changes. He wanted to change things, and he needed to bring players in to try and change things. And he said to me, "Look, you're one of the players I want to bring in. Hopefully, that will bring in the rest that we want to bring in to try and change things." So, his his ideas of where he wanted to take the club and what he wanted to do was what convinced me to come here. But um, yeah, we were in a bit of turmoil when I, when I first came. I remember we. I remember the old training ground um, in Chigwell and um, I came out to train the first day of pre-season. There was a couple of guys lying on, on, on the, there used to be a slope, there was a couple mm. of guys lying on the slope, there was a couple of guys over there doing their own thing, there was a couple of guys over there doing their own thing. I was like, what am I coming to here? Like, you know, I mean, it's just disarrayed, disorganised and, um, and that showed in the way that we performed that year. Did that change a year later in 99 when we won the League Cup? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, we, we we certainly did change uh, George Graham coming in and stuff like that and just he <laughs> George was um, uh, you know I've worked with some managers in my time and George was one of the hardest taskmasters um, I've ever worked with but I'd go out on a limb uh, and say if he was the only manager I'd ever worked for in my in my career I wouldn't have minded. So did he change that? philosophy, that mindset of where you were when you first signed to go, right, we're now in a better place, we're striving, we're looking forward. Yeah, 100%. You know, he came in and he straight away, he laid down the, the, the rules and the regulations and um, there was a lot of stuff going on here at the time that needed to change. Uh, you know, when Christian Gross came in, you know, Christian Gross was one of the best managers technically that I've worked with. In terms of stuff out on the training pitch, he, he was like, he was way ahead of a lot of managers that I'd worked with at the time. It's just his way, his approach in the way that he was very dramatic in his, in his approach. And so um, instead of getting players on side, he'd come in um, with, the, with the notion that we needed discipline. And he went too far the other way with it and sort of like alienated players. And as you know, a new manager comes into a football club, you start winning. If he changes things and you start winning games, everybody goes with it. But when you change a load of things and you're not winning games, then people go, hey, this ain't right for us. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's unfortunately where Christian Gross was. Looking, um, I mean, this is a, the time when you're starting to pick up some, some little niggly injuries. I mean, actually, I, we say niggly. There was one serious injury in, yeah. in the middle of it. Was it an Achilles, if yeah, I remember? Yeah. yeah. Just, and that was, effect, I know this was affecting you because I remember talking to you at the time and you just wanted to play well for Spurs and score goals for Spurs. But the, everything seemed to be conspiring against you, didn't it? That was probably the most frustrating time in my, in my career in terms of injuries. Um, I had this Achilles problem. And um, you know, through pre-season and all that, it was it was tendonitis. So I was getting treated for tendonitis. I was still playing on it. I was still I was still training. Then it, all of a sudden it get too bad, and then I'd have to miss a game or two. And then I'd come back and I'd go again. I'd go again. And then in the end, I had the operation. I had the Achilles operation. I said it started to fray, so I had the, uh, the operation. Came away from the came away from the operation. And um, when you have your Achilles, it's one of the, the hardest blood supply place, you say, you have to follow the guidelines of how long it takes to get, get back from, from the injury. I was doing that, did everything they said, but my, my Achilles kept blowing up. It was like, it was swollen. Went back to see the surgeon, he went, oh, someone's been frictioning this. I went, I'm not physio, the doctor's here. No one's been frictioning it. It's just, this is what's happening. He went to pull the stitches out, a little bit of the stitch came out, and then the rest of them stayed on the inside. And he went, oh, don't worry, when you, when you get going, you'll get a little bobble come up there, when it comes up, you'll see the thread come through, get come back and we'll pull it out. I was like, if it's not a problem, why was you going to take him out in the first place? But anyway, by the by, had, had the, the Achilles operation done, still having the same pain, still in the same, same problems. Uh, I'd been to see umpteen different um, surgeons who looked at it again and said, well, no, nah, you know. This. And then um, I saw Kenny Logan, um, who said to me, have you ever seen a fella called Kevin Lidlow? And I said, um, I said, no, I never heard of him. He said, look, let's get yourself an appointment. He said, I'll book you an appointment. I went to see him. I went to see Kevin and sat in his office and, and I called him Super Kev um, because he became the, he, he, the best physio I've ever worked with. And I went in and he kind of like examined me and, and stuff and he said to me, um, kept saying, is this your pain? He kept pressing on going, yeah, well, I keep coming down from the ceiling, so that is my pain, Kev. <laughs> so anyway, he said he, he did some scans again. He, he said, I've got all your scans here, but I want to do some, some, some other pictures. Did the scans. And then he, he, he stuck them up and he goes, have a look at this. And he said, you see this white spot on your scan? I said, yeah. He said, it's on every other scan that you've done. Has anyone, ever, no one ever mentioned that to you? And I went, no. And he said to me, oh, right, okay. He said, well, I think you've got a cyst. And I, I'd had a cyst in my, in, on the other side of my leg 
that had caused the bone spur, so the bit of the bone had broken off, and that was what was digging into me. So that was my pain, um, you know, and uh, and so I, I did the the plantar fascio under the bottom of my uh, my foot as well because I, I was compensating. So kind of went through. I had to have another operation to get that sorted out. And then when they when they did the operation on that, what they said to me was like they didn't have enough tourniquet time, so they couldn't keep it open for as long as they wanted to because they tidied up the inside of the other the operation. So that kept me out over for for virtually a year, over a year. Yeah. And that yeah, was, I remember, um, yeah. that was a that was a real frustration for me. Yeah, so frustrating. Injuries are the worst. Mm. As any player, if you've experienced them, as you talk about it, and it's just knock-on effect, just keeps going. Mm. You were full of characters at, at that time. Tell us a story where you were real fox, <laughs> where you, you missed the second half, where you went, you, you have, had half-time, you then got, well, where you didn't come out because you missed the kick-off for the second half. That Tell was, us about uh, that. That, that was against Newcastle, no? Yeah, that was in the first year. Uh, that's <laughs> that same year you're talking about. We, um, <laughs> We go in at Newcastle. That's why they struggled. Helps uh, if you have 11 players <laughs> on the yeah, pitch, does it? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah. We, um, we went in and um, we sort of like, he's gone in one cubicle, I'm in the other. And we're saying, Cub um, we're talking through the cubicle and saying, I said, Foxy, we're in this, you know. We get, you know, you keep, we keep the crowd quiet here. You can turn it around and be like, and he's going, yeah, let's on. And obviously Foxy had played yeah, at Newcastle. Yeah. So he was, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're talking and then I've gone, Foxy, it was really quiet. <laughs> So anyway, fast the train, go out the toilet. Foxy, everyone's gone. So anyway, we, we, we come out and you know Newcastle, you go down the stairs and down, down the tunnel, yeah. go down the tunnel and the game's going on. So I look at Foxy and I go, we was obviously, we was obviously playing so well that they noticed that we're missing. We were, we were, That's unbelievable. I know. They actually kicked off. Nine men on the pitch. There's no one shouting. Come on, lads, we've got to go, here we go. Where's Liz, like, where's Foxy? No, we must have been playing that bad. Uh, no what you saying when you're suddenly on the touchline? Oh, just, uh, when, we, when we ran back on the pitch, all the Newcastle supporters started cheering. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, Les, look, obviously there were ups and downs in, in your six years at Spurs, but you did win the League Cup. Mm -hmm. We got to another final. There were the young players coming through. You liked to Ledley, obviously, yep. Simon Davis. So there were positive signs there for the club. I mean, almost, how do you sum up that, that six years? If, I mean, as a block. Yeah. As you said, ups and downs uh, when I first joined the club. Um, it was it was pretty much chaos, and then we had a bit of a stabilising period. Got to um, we got to the finals, uh, which was obviously great. You know, I mean, you always dream about playing at Wembley. You want it to be the FA Cup, but League Cup, um, and we won that. Uh, Alan Nielsen scoring a goal in that, in that game, uh, not playing particularly well, uh, the team in, in, in on the day, but all you care about is winning that cup, and we did that. Uh, so that was that was great. And as you said, we got to the final uh, under Glenn. The way that season had gone and the way we were, we were progressing in the FA Cup, now we had a little routine. We, was, we, we went to Hanbury Manor before the start. And, and, you know, managers are very superstitious. Went to Hanbury Manor uh, the first, the, 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 the week before the game on the, on the weekend, went to Hanbury Manor. And that worked. Second round, went to Hanbury Manor. Third round, went to Hanbury Manor. So that became the thing. And then obviously they, um, we got to the, the semis, they got rid of George. And it was booked up. Everything was booked. No, no, no it, was, it, was all, it was all sorted. We were going. And then, and then Glenn Hoddle came in and, and, and Glenn, Glenn said, look, I'm going to change everything. We've got too much to do on the, on the, on the training pitch. Um, so we're going to have to change everything. We're not going to Hanbury Man and we're not doing this. And changed it all. And, um, and I honestly believe if George was here, we would have got, we would have got to the finals of the, of the FA Cup. But, and that's not, not saying that, you know, Glenn wasn't a good manager yeah, or anything. Yeah, of course, so it yeah. was just we were just in that in that routine and, and, and stuff like that, and everything changed, and it changed the dynamic of the changing room at the time. And so, um, yeah, I remember going to Old Trafford and getting beaten by Arsenal. So it was, um, yeah, that was tough. But um, then the following year, we we, we got to the, the the final again against Blackburn at, uh, at Cardiff, and um, unfortunately, we just couldn't put that was a blow. That, that wasn't was it? Because we blow. were in position to win that. Yeah, we? we had so many chances, and um, we we were unable to to, to take those chances. So yeah, that was tough. Um, but yeah, yeah, as you said, highs and lows. You know, played with some very, very good players here. Um, had an excellent time. And uh, apart from my own goal scoring, which I said was a disappointment for mm. me, because everywhere I'd gone, it was twenty odd goals a season, twenty odd goals a season. I went five seasons on a spin, twenty odd goals a season, and came to Spurs, and I was like, I want to carry that on, and it just never really came to fruition. And the year that I got close to it, I was, I think, I was on 16, 15, 16 goals, and then I broke my wrist towards the end of the season. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember uh, you playing in the cars. Yeah, yeah. and, yeah. and, and, and then, uh, I remember going to see the surgeon, 
And the surgeon said to me, oh, well, you ain't going to play again this season. I was like, what are you talking about? I said, he said, um, you've done your wristing. And he went, and I went, yeah, but like, I'll have a cast on up to there and, and, and you know, I'll be fine. And he, and he just went, like that. I remember he, he didn't even say anything, he just went, like that. I had the operation. When I came out, the cast was up to here. It was up to here. Like, so I, was, I was bent like this. Like, you just still wanted to play, though. Like, six like weeks, that? like, you know what I mean? I was, six weeks, I was like that. And then another six weeks in a smaller cast and another six weeks. And so, yeah. And that was, I thought that year I was going to get to 20-odd goals. Do you know what I mean? I'd come back from, uh, I'd have, and that was, uh, I was still having problems with my Achilles. I hadn't had the operation yet. And I'd, I'd been to Germany to, to see Muller Warfight and he put some injections in my Achilles. He said, you can't play on the weekend. Uh, we was playing Fulham, but you'd be all right after that. And I remember I was at home and I was coming down the stairs and I was, I was like on crutches. So I was and slipped on the crutches, boom, done my wrist and bang. That was it, out for the rest of the season. Wow. Wow. Did you have a favourite goal you scored for Spurs, Les? Um, favourite goal? Probably. Hard, hard one, that. Yeah. I, I suppose know, it's not for myself because I didn't get too many, but. Yeah, my, my, <laughs> my, uh, my first goal, my, my probably my first goal was one that sticks in the memory and then I scored a headed goal. And I remember one of the journalists saying to me, um, Steve Stammer saying to me, uh, I was behind the goal when you scored that, uh, when you scored that headed goal, Rule Fox crossed it. Uh, we was playing, I think it was playing against Villa. And, um, I'd headed one into the top corner and he said, he said, my son said at the time, he said, that's harder than some people can kick the ball. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a few, there was a few that stood out. He scored the 10,000th goal in the Premier League. Remember yeah, that, that one? That was a yeah. tap in, yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It was, it was really count. funny. It, it was really funny because I, were, I, you know, obviously didn't have the best of seasons and I was in and out of the injuries and then I had a little period of a run in the, in, in the, in the team. And at the time, they were talking about all the different players that might score the, the, the 10,000th goal, and my name wasn't in there. And so when I did it, it was like... Oh, okay. Was Jürgen's in there? Tell us a little um, bit about Jürgen Klinsmann, because I always used to do the Jürgen Klinsmann celebration. Well, when, it, when it was wet, <laughs> <laughs> the Klinsmann dive. No, what was he, Jürgen like? He was, he was, a, he was great, great professional. Um, you know, I spent a little bit of time. He was here for half a season. Um, and you know when he left, he, he invited me to play, and his testimony. Unfortunately, I was I couldn't do it. I was I, I had an operation, so I couldn't play. But um, no, he was. I, I talk about great strikers that I play with. He's certainly up there in, in terms of the great strikers I play with. Good, good man, good player, good professional, and just a good person to have around your football club. You know, yeah, good celebration as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, look, after you left us in 2003, you actually still had a few years. Didn't you in, in the game? Like, because you'd you'd had those injury problems at Spurs, but I mean, you still you still played on for a few years, a few clubs. Yeah, I mean, I left uh, I, I left here midway through the season and uh, and went to to West Ham. Um, unfortunately, they got relegated on the, at uh, at the end of the season, and I kind of when I went there, you know, the players that were in that squad at the time, you know, you had Jermaine Defoe, you had mm. the Canio, you had Canute. Joe Cole, Carrick. Can, yeah. You know, it was just like you looked at the squad. You know, David James in goal. And I couldn't believe the position they were in and thought we had enough. And to be fair, went down with the record amount of points that someone's ever gone down yeah. with. And then from that, from there, they, they were talking about keeping me, but uh, Glenn Rhoda unfortunately became ill. I had the Bain aneurysm and, and stuff and uh, they were taking a, a while to get themselves sorted out. And then you know, Leicester came in, Southampton came in, a few clubs come in and say, look, if you're going to play on, we want you to come. So I ended up going to Leicester which was a bit of an eye-opener for me. Um, <laughs> took me right back in, in time to at the beginning of my career in terms of where things had gone and where the way the players were. But I ended up being top goal scorer and um, player of the year, players player of the year. Um, and I was 37, 38, you know what I mean? So going on 38. So, you know, I, I did that and then decided that was, it was time for me to call it a day. Um, and I remember, say, I remember meeting Sam Allardyce and, he, and at the time, he was probably the most advanced manager that I'd come across in football in terms of he had all the stats, he had all the, you know, he had everything I'd done the previous season. And um, I sat down and spoke to him and he said to me, you've still got too much to offer football. Um, and I said to him, Sam, I appreciate what you're saying, but my body's not feeling like that. Do you know what I mean? He said, no worries. He said, we'll get you to play. Um, so I said, OK, you convinced me to play for another year. And I went there and... They had, uh, he said to me, Kevin Davis has had his, he said, you scored more goals than Kevin Davis last year, but Kevin Davis has had his best year for us. So he's going to start, but you'll play games. And I remember, okay, I was like playing games, playing games. I was coming off the bench and, you know, scored a couple of goals. And then we played the League Cup against Spurs. And I scored in that. So I thought, all right, this is my, 
you know, I'm staking the claim for a place here. And then they got to around about uh, October, November, and they went for a bit of a sticky patch. And I thought to myself, I've got to play now because they're going for a sticky patch. And he never changed his side. So I knocked on his door and I said, Sam, um, listen, mate, I said, you brought me here to play football and I'm not playing at the moment. He went, what's the matter with you? You're 38 years of age, nearly 39. You're earning good money and you're coming off the bench. I went, no, nah, look, mate, I've got to be honest with you. I want to play, and if it's my last year in football, I want to play. I don't want to sit on someone's bench. I want to. I don't want to earn money just for the, for sitting on someone's bench. If I'm not playing, I've got to go and play somewhere. Do you know what I mean? And he was going, let's have a think about it and stuff like that. And he goes, he said to me, to be fair, he said, I admire that because you could just sit on the bench and pick your wages up. And I said, no, I want to play. And so I left and went to um, to Reading. There was quite a few clubs that come and wanted to take me on loan. Reading being one of them, and I went to Reading, but because I'd missed so much of the season in terms of coming off the bench. I was, I was training and everything, but you need games. And then when I started going into playing Monday, Tuesday, Monday, uh, you know, sorry, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, I started to pick up nearly injuries again and realised my body couldn't do what I wanted to do anymore. It's amazing, sorry, sorry, it's amazing that you say about Big Sam, he probably don't get the credit for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is well known in the game. Yeah. Like, yeah. You put people from the outset, yeah. like it was when Robbie went to, to win with Leeds last year and you think, all right, Big Sam, direct, get it forward, play. The work that goes in, he probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. Yeah, you know, uh, Martin, I totally agree with you, Martin. He, he, when, I, when I went there and I saw what Bolton yeah. were doing, it was so advanced to any club I'd been at in terms of how they were looking after the players, what they were doing. And, and, and Sam, you know, needs to take all the credit for that. And he had some good people around him, but um, the methods they put in place and the things that they put in place to make sure they got the best out of the players because they didn't have the biggest yeah. squad. Was uh, was pretty amazing. I was going to say doors. Obviously, two thousand and eight. Les Ferdinand walked through the door on on our coaching staff. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, this was a, a a great period in terms of yourself, Tim, Chris Ramsey, development coaches. But I mean, the talent was there, and and you brought it through. Yeah, it was it was really strange because when I when I came in, I actually came in as a, as a first team coach. Striking. Yeah, striking. How did that come, a, come about, Les? Well, I got a call from from, from Harry. Harry saying, look, Les, you know, um, love to bring you back into Tottenham. Um, think you're wasted doing the TV and all that sort of stuff. Come in and, and see. And, and you know what? Uh, I'd always said that, you know, I'm not sure whether I want to go into coaching, but this was an opportunity to come in and see whether I liked it or not and enjoyed it. And um, I came in uh, and, as you know, there was at the time the, the, the coaching in the, in the first team was done a certain way. Yeah. And, and I was coming in, I was saying, well, give me the strikers, give me this, you know, and it, 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 it weren't quite happening. So after a while I got bored, I said, don't want to sit stand on the sidelines. If, I've come, if I'm coming in, I'm, I want to come in and do something. If I'm just standing on the sideline, I'm not really feeling I'm having an input. Yeah, we can talk about players and, and so on and so forth, but I want, to, I want to coach. If I'm going to coach, I want to coach. So I started doing my coaching badges, and then um, the, the development squad was without, without a, a, a coach. And I, and I remember sitting down with, Chris, uh, with Tim and saying, oh, Tim, if, if I'm just coming on the sidelines and doing this and that, you know, it's really not for me. I, I want to coach. I want to get into it. So he said to us, he went, why don't we take the development squad? So I said, look, we got, we got a coach here at this football club mm. who is probably one of the most outstanding coaches in, 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 in football. Um, all, his, uh, all his teams, all his players from his team get scholarships. So he's doing something right there in terms of developing the players to yeah. getting them scholarships, but they're not they're not quite finishing at the end. They're not coming out at the end of it. So it's like going through a tunnel and not getting to the end of that tunnel. Um, and he said, "Who's that?" And I said, "Chris Ramsey." And he said, "Okay." He said, um, and "So we went and had a look at Chris, and I went to John McDermott. I said, Chris, we want to bring him up to the 21s because uh, he was under 16s. He was under 16s. Yeah. 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 I said to John McDermott, "We want to bring him up." He went, "No, I don't want to lose him." And I said, no, I know you don't want to lose him, but surely he's going to be better at the finishing stages rather than where he is right now because all these players getting scholarships but not getting to, the, to, to see the fruits of their, yeah. their labour. We need to do something different. So Tim, Chris and myself started doing a development squad. And, you know, I say to people now, everyone look at Harry and go, wow, you know, amazing. And he's gone on and he's done this and he's done that. But we, when we look back at it, we, you know, one of the things we said, and I, I spoke to the young players today, and I said to them, "Look, not every single one of you is going to play for Tottenham. That's our dream. We hope that every yeah. one of you do get the opportunity to play for Tottenham. But we're realistic, and we know that's not going to happen. But our jobs as coaches is to make you professional footballers. So if it's not here at Tottenham, it's going to be somewhere else. And I think, to a man, 
everybody in that squad. There are so many of this. Went on and had yeah. professional careers and, you know, you hold your hands up and you go, well, that that's great because, um, like I said, not everyone will play for yeah. Tottenham, but you want to be a professional footballer. And all of them went on to do that. So, um, you know, John Obika, you know, you look at Andrews Towns, you look at... Um, uh, Tom Melos, Tom Carroll, so many of them, yeah. all of them, all of them went on to have careers, and um, so that's that's the rewarding part of that. But while I was doing that, I kept saying to them, at some stage, I'm going to be a, a sporting director somewhere, and they was going, and Chris was like, yeah, I could see you doing that. He was going, but you you could be a technical director because you know I'd done all my coaching badges, yeah. and he said you like the coaching part of it, but you know you can also do the, the bit behind talking to the players and stuff like that. So I was like, that was in my mind, and so once we finished here. It came to fruition, didn't it? Yeah, you know, it was funny because, you know, obviously Tim took over the first team for a, a, a period. And um, when I spoke to Daniel and, uh, and stuff afterwards, he said, look, when they were going to get rid of Tim, I just said, look, I felt it was right. Once you make that step and jump up with the manager, if he leaves, then it's, it's right that he's, he's coaching staff leave with him as well. So now you're relaxed. He's about to leave us to go and play golf. Go play golf. <laughs> what is next life. for Celeste? Do you ever see yourself going back into uh, coaching? Um, my, I look at I look at football and I love the game of football. Football's been good to me, and I want to be back involved in it. And I will be at some stage. Mm. Um, I think this is a, a, a time, a period of time for me to to sit back, reflect on went, went, what went right at QPR, what went wrong, and just look at some of the things that you did right and some of the things that you did wrong. And take some some reflection time. And then, um, yeah, I'll be rearing to go again because, um, like I said, I love the industry, I love the game and I want to be back in it. So at some stage you will see my ugly mug somewhere just, again. Just one more, to just to wrap it all up, Les. I mean, look, from the kid who grew up in Labrook Grove, um, playing for your boyhood club, all the goals, the individual honours, bringing through the, the kids at Spurs, all those kids who went on to have careers, and we're including Harry Kane in that group, mm. by the way. Um, all that time in the game, how would you sum it all up, Les? How would I sum it all up? Um, I, I think I said it in, 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 in thing, just the dream. Um, you know, I've, I've lived my dream. Um, I never saw myself going into coaching. I never saw myself being a professional footballer. But I ended up doing all that and I'm sitting here now talking to you guys. Uh, and it's, it seems like it's gone just like that. But, um, you know, all the, all the stuff that, that goes with it, you know, and, and, and everything that goes with um, football, um, I always think, you know, it's about who the human being is. Uh, and, you know, I've always tried to stay humble and, and, and true to where I've come from and my roots and everything else. And um, I'd like to think I was the same. The same guy that came into, into football is the same guy that's come out at this moment in time. Well, I can vouch for that, mate. <laughs> Les, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time out to come and join us. And I'm sure everyone can't wait to listen. But you're not, we're not letting you go just yet. Oh, so, okay. Tim, you can wait. Les will be five <laughs> minutes late for the golf course, but don't worry. Everyone who sits on the podcast, Les, we ask these questions. So, we've got how many questions? So, Les, we've got seven questions. Right. Favourite bit of memorabilia. Quick fire questions. Quick fire. Favourite bit of memorabilia that you own? I, um, I managed to, uh, at the end of my career, I played in a, uh, a game uh, with Maradona. Um, England versus the rest of the world. Uh, Maradona played, and he gave me a signed shirt. Um, it was it, it wasn't a shirt; it's was actually his wet top. And um, he put on it because Gus Poyer played, and he put on it. Um, uh, he put to Les uh, a true gentleman of the game, uh, Maradona. So that's um, beautiful. Wow, hanging proudly. Wow. In Clive Allen got his football boots in. Oh, there's a lot of Maradona stuff going on. Honestly, <laughs> Maradona would missed out here. Unbelievable. Favorite Spurs kit ever. Uh, Probably cool. when you played it. Yeah, obviously. it would be, yeah, the Holston. Yeah, yeah. I loved all that. Holston, yeah. oh, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I used to drink yeah. that when I was 18. Holston Pills, I'll tell you. Favourite Spurs player that you played with? Oh, played with? You played with? <sighs> Probably Ginola, because I've, I've always said he's the best player I've played with domestically. So, yeah. I mean, when he came here, he had a different role to what he had at Newcastle. I remember at Newcastle, Kevin Keegan said, I've bought you to supply him, make sure you do it. And... He was absolutely sensational in that first year. I had him at uh, Newcastle, him one side, Gillespie the other. When I came here, he was given a bit more of a free role to do what he wanted. And so um, he didn't cross the ball as much as he, he, he did when I was at Newcastle. But, you know, arguably the best, the best uh, uh, domestic player I played with. OK, next one. With or without you, pick a Spurs five-a-side team. 
with or without me. Okay, Spurs five aside. Uh, okay, uh, I'm going to go for Lloris in goal. I'm going to go for, um, geez, I'm going to go for Teddy Sheringham. Go for Ledley King. Uh, I'm going to leave myself out of it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go Klinsman. And uh, who else will need? Janola. Yeah, Janola. Sorry, yeah, Janola. Thank you. Something. Some beautiful players in there. I'm telling you. That was very much you. like the Newcastle side, all out attack. <laughs> all out attack. I'm thinking you went Teddy first and then back to Leeds. All right, pick the keep first, actually. Here we go. Who is your Spurs unsung hero? Spurs unsung. Could be someone you played with or you, you, you saw him when you were here as a coach. You thought, I look at them and think they don't get the, the credit they probably deserve. You might have had one you played with. I was going to say, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I don't know if he's an unsung hero, Leddy, because he, he is idolised all over the place. But it, I, I'm saying that because he never fulfilled, he was unable to fulfill what, fulfill what he, he, his, his true potential was mm. because of the injuries. Yeah. But for, for me, um, Led could have been the best, best in the world. Yeah, um, I agree with that one. I think, honestly, I, and I don't think people realise yeah, from an outset. I, I didn't realise before I came here. Yeah. And then, pff, phenomenal. Yeah. What a player. What is one bit of life advice you would give to people? One bit of life advice. Um, well, um, humility. Always have humility. Um, doesn't matter where you come from, what you do, who you are. Um, politeness. My granddad taught me one thing. Uh, and um, I said, no, my granddad taught me a lot of things, but one of the things he said to me that I've always lived by, he used to say to me, son, there's no one in this world that's better than you. He said, but remember, there's no one in this world that you're better than. So treat everybody with respect. Um, if you say good morning to someone, it's not because you think they've got anything. It's just a polite thing to do. And I've always lived my life that way. Love that. I love it. Last one. In your opinion, the Spurs' best ever player, ever. It's hard to go beyond the HUD. It's hard to be go. It's hard to go beyond the HUD. I know Harry scored the, the yeah. goals that he scored, but Glenn Hoddle's probably the best player I've ever seen play for, for Spurs. Les, thank you so much. Thanks, Pleasure. Les. Thanks for having me on, chaps. It's been thank good you. to see you both. Brilliant. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.